Hello, I'm Pastor Rick, and welcome to our podcast. I hope that the message that you're about to hear will bless and encourage you today. I am excited this morning because we have a special guest. Pastor Jeff and Cindy Barnett, pastor down in Seymour, they actually planted what's called Genesis Church back in 2014. Uh, Pastor Jeff and Cindy are part of what we call our ministry section. We meet on a monthly basis, uh, usually in North Vernon. It's the more central location. And I've gotten to know uh, Jeff and Cindy over the years, so is Sherry. And about two months ago, we were welcoming new ministers to our section. And as our uh, presbyter asked us to share a little bit, uh, Jeff and Cindy both shared some stories from their past. And I had this little prompting, little prompting in my spirit Ask Jeff to come and share with this church. There's something about listening to a man who has walked with Jesus for decades, who has suffered a little bit, maybe a lot for Jesus, but also has been used powerfully that can build our faith. So as the meeting was over with, I saw Jeff in the parking lot. I said, Jeff, I just have this sense Would you be willing to give up a Sunday in Seymour, and you have a a staff member or somebody preaching down there this morning, and just come to our church? Come to our church and share with us some of what God has done in your life. And he said he would love to do that, so you are going to be blessed. I'm going to be blessed because I'm sure you're going to share some stuff that I have not heard before. Uh, Jeff and Cindy have been married for a very long time. I don't believe it's in his bio, but one thing that was in his bio was that they have, are you ready, 10 children and 13 grandchildren. And uh, so um, they are they, they, they took literally the command in Genesis to be fruitful and multiply. Would you welcome Reverend Jeff Barnett this morning? Well, good morning, everyone. I know I don't look like I have 10 children. You ought to see my wife. She really doesn't look like she has 10 children. It's all true, and and next year we celebrate our 50th year together, so it's been a very awesome adventure, and I want to share some of that this morning with you because I want to talk about my story so that you realize how significant your story is. A lot of times we, we don't think about that, but it's very important, the life you're living, because each of us have a story. And it's a delight to be here with you and to share and so appreciate your pastors, Rick and Sherry. And and I just want to say that when we got to know them, um, right away they they made a mark on us because there was this affinity. And we under you have to understand I have a teaching background and a teaching anointing. And and both of your pastors here, Sherry and, and Pastor Rick, they, they can teach. They can, <laughs> they can teach the Word of God. You know, that's one of the five-fold ministries beside the shepherds. You have the apostles, prophets, and the evangelists, and the teachers. 
And one of the things that's so significant about a great and true shepherd is they're able to teach and mentor the flock. They don't just count heads and noses, but they're really after hearts. And they're to, to expand those hearts to believe, to bring about a first century faith in the 21st century. Do you believe you can have a first century faith, like you read about in the book of Acts, in the Gospels, a first century faith in the 21st century, and see God do things for you that mm, it's not on the radar for a lot of folk, but God has plans for you. So I, I love what it says in Psalm 66 and verse 16, and it reads like this, and I want to find it here. Let me just look here at my notes. I do use notes. They are brain ticklers for me. And this is very good because when you have a brain as old as mine, it's always being renewed. But this is what it says. Come and hear, there it is, all you who fear God, and I will declare what he has done for my soul. All of you who fear God here this morning, I want to tell you what he has done for my soul. And because I'm telling you this, God has designed you to hear this because he wants to do it as it fits your life in your life. He wants to work signs and wonders and miracles. He wants to bless you and your children. He wants to bless your family and your friends. He wants you to draw together as you've never been drawn together before and have a hope that God is able to fulfill exactly what is said about himself, that with him all things are possible. I did grow up in a Christian home. Uh, there was nothing uh, about prayer in my home. There was no, no open Bible. There, there was nothing about going to worship the Lord any time during the week, let alone Sunday. So I wasn't brought up that way, and I was brought up, my dad <clears throat> desired for me and my brother to become super athletes and make it uh, big time. And <clears throat> my brother was, was a great athlete, and he went and went another direction. Uh, I ended up um, going to Indiana University. I was invited to come down there as a walk-on in football. And so I walked on, and I remember walking out uh, into the, uh, this is, anybody seen the movie Rudy? All right. I remember walking into the end zone and I leaned against the goalpost. I looked up and I said, I'm going to play here. He said, I'm not even going to play here. I'm going to start here. I'm not only really going to start here. I'm going to go to the NFL. Well, you have to understand my thinking. <clears throat> I didn't know the Lord Jesus. And my dad had brought us up to think about making a big time. From a small town, Cindy and I were high school sweethearts, and we, we grew up in this small town. I was the first uh, individual to come out of our town and make it big at a big university. Uh, I played so well my freshman year, uh, although I was a walk-on, invited as a walk-on, they gave me a full ride. I received a full athletic scholarship, and I began my journey at Indiana University. And, of course, I had my dreams and my hopes and my aspirations about what I was going to become and, and what my dad wanted me to become. And you, you don't know what that meant to me. And I remember going home to mom and dad back on the farm, and, and I showed them the certificate that I had of, of a full ride, you know, 
to Indiana University, an athletic scholarship. And I remember my mom and dad both crying. And you have to understand, my dad was a big old boy, and, and he wasn't just always, you know, going around crying. But boy, that, that just touched his heart so much. And so I began this journey there. And I'm in, still in my freshman year, and we'd gone through that first season. I'd gotten this uh, athletic scholarship at IU, and, and uh, there was something else going on. I, if any of you have been to IU campus, you know that there's all these dormitories, and they put all the athletes back in those days in these dormitories. This one was called McNutt, and, and uh, McNutt is still there. And uh, they'd put us all in there. Well, we were a rowdy bunch. That's all I'm going to say about it. And you've never heard of Indiana being a party school. Why are you laughing? I know why you're laughing. Uh, anyway, we also had guests that would come in, and what they came in with were Bibles. And they'd walk those halls. And these guys would walk those halls with these Bibles, and they'd just knock on your door real gently and say, Hey, how you doing? Can we come in? And, and they would... Want to be coming into our rooms and sharing the gospel of the Lord Jesus. Well, you know, a lot of it, I, I just have to admit to you, I was not a very nice sinner. You, you know, you meet nice sinners. I was not a good one. And, and so what happened is that we gave these guys a rough time. Uh, they, they, uh, they'd walk down the hallways. They would maybe get splattered with shaving cream, uh, uh, maybe a, a glass of water. <laughs> well, it's quiet in here <laughs> because because we just weren't a, a very nice bunch of guys and and but they they kept coming back I remember sitting one day in November getting close to my spiritual birthday I just gave it away but in November and there was this gentle rap on my door I had my dorm door open I was sitting at my desk studying believe it or not and um uh, I looked up and I recognized him as one of these Campus Crusade for Christ. You ever heard of that ministry? Campus Crusade for Christ. He said, hey, can I come in? And I looked up and I hardly gave him a second, you know, second thought. And I said, yeah, come on in. Sit down. I'm thinking, I thought, I'll just listen to him and I'll just keep doing I'll let him talk. And, and uh, so I'm letting him talk. And then he said something. And the Spirit of the Lord came on me. Now, I didn't know it was the Spirit of the Lord. I didn't know there was a Spirit of the Lord. Uh, I was so ignorant, knew nothing of the Bible. You talk about Moses, I thought it was somebody's boyfriend. <laughs> I mean, I just did not know. But, but he came in, and he said, he, he began to talk, and, and the Spirit of the Lord came on me, and I'm at my desk, and I just turned toward him, and I began to look right at him and listen to him. And the Lord had caught my attention. You know, the Lord is, is able to catch your attention. He's able to do things. And I'm, I'm going somewhere with this this morning because, you see, there's glory in the story. There's glory in the story. There's glory in your story. And I turned and looked right at him, and for the first time I saw Jesus. I didn't see him, but in, in the spirit, in my mind, I, I could picture him. In my heart, there was this understanding God imparted to me. And I saw Jesus. I saw him as he really is, a savior. Not some religious figure I'd heard about. But I saw him as he really is, a savior, a loving God. And then I saw myself. 
here's the thing that shocked me. I saw myself as I really was, and it was ugly. It was just flat ugly. I saw myself as I was, a sinner, lost and headed for hell. And what he did is he continued to share the gospel with me, and I, I opened my heart as the Lord opened my heart, like Lydia opening my heart, and I gave my life and my heart to the Lord Jesus Christ right there in that dorm room in McNutt. Now, you have to understand, that was revolutionary, that was radical, because I was the first Christian in our home. And, and you know, God has designs on this. He doesn't save me, or He doesn't save you to see the rest of our loved ones not being saved or not end up in heaven with us. And you have to understand, my whole family tree changed that day. It didn't appear to, but it was like the fig tree. Jesus, you know, in a negative context, he cursed it, and they came back the next day and was dead. Well, instead of cursing it, my Lord blessed ours. He blessed our family tree. And our family tree went from death, where there was no Bible, no prayer, no God. It turned green, and it started in the roots. It started with me. This is the way the Lord worked, and it just started up. And the next thing, over the years, I saw my mother give her heart to the Lord Jesus and get filled with the Spirit. And then my dad, my pop, uh, sitting at the table, we were eating fish. My dad was a great fisherman, and we were eating fish. And, and uh, I looked over to him, and the Lord came on me and said, tell him. And, and I didn't want to tell him because my, you know, a little intimidating talk to my pop. But I said, you know, Dad, you're a great fisherman. But you know what the Lord is going to do with you? He's going to turn you into a fisher of men. And instead of my dad reacting in a contrary way, he just kind of dropped his head. And, and I went back to eating, and I looked up, and there was just this one little tear coming down this cheek. Well, I'd like to tell you my dad got saved that day and filled with the Spirit. It didn't, it didn't happen for a couple years later. But my dad came to know the Lord Jesus, filled with the Holy Ghost, my mom and dad. And, and my sister was next. She came in. She fell into this living water, walking along the bank, and, you know, they fall in. And my older brother, bigger and stronger than me, you know, and he was clear out in Montana and praying for him and, and uh, his wife. And, and they end up giving their lives to the Lord Jesus. So, boom. So there, there it was, my mom and dad, my brother and sister and me. Our family tree all changed that very day. You know, you know it's the wonderful thing. You know, I'm, I'm the middle child. I am the Oreo cookie, and I'm the cream filling in between my brother and sister, the chocolate covers. No, wait, is that right? Is, is that okay to say? I don't. Anyway. God, God uses these things. And, and the reason for this is, listen, I married this sweet little thing that, that I began to date my senior year in high school. Her name was Cindy. And Cindy was real quiet, and she ran with the, uh, the academics and the brainians of our high school. She was like valedictorian and all this kind of stuff. I ran with the athletes, and God hooked us up just before we graduated. I fell deeply in love with her. And we went off. I went off to IU. She went to Manchester College. And then we rode every, every day. And we ended up getting married after a couple of years of courting. And, and, and during that time, though, it was she who just persisted with the Lord Jesus. And she went off to a, well, a, a fellow by the name of Nikki Cruz. 
it went to a Nikki Cruz. I know I'm dating us, but Nikki Cruz crusade and, and the cross and the switchblade and, and in Fort Wayne, Indiana and, and heard him speak. And there was a woman there who, who ministered to Cindy and her sister and, and, and they received the baptism in the Holy Spirit. They had been saved for years, but they said, it's so dry, it's like toast. Says, isn't there more of God than this? And said, she said, yes. There is the Holy Spirit. He's alive. He's well. He has gifts, callings, anointings, provision. He has all these things for you. He's just as he was in the book of Acts. They opened their heart, got baptized in the Holy Ghost. I remember Cindy calling me. I'm at IU. She's calling me. She's telling me she's been to this house meeting. (gasps) House meeting? You know, I've just been saved, you know, like, you know, maybe six weeks. And I'm really dangerous. I think I got it all figured out. House meeting? It can't be. He said, yes. And then they love the Lord and they praise the Lord there. And they're so spiritual. And I said, oh, honey. I said, and she said, they speak in tongues. <gasps> no. She said, yes. Well, I said, I'm coming up. Now, yeah, I'm, going to, I'm coming up. We're going to go to this little house. We'll find out. You have to understand, I really love this little girl. I don't want to lose her. I don't want her to get haywire. You know, I'm, I tell her, I said, don't you know, I think the devil, I, I'm so stupid, spiritual. Don't you know the devil does that? She, said, she says, oh, stop it. You know, I, said, I said, okay, come on up. So anyway, I went up. Went to that house meeting. It was never the same. Oh, my word. Went in there, and you talk about the presence of God and people worshiping. This was during the charismatic outpouring way back in 1970-71. Okay, so this is dating me now. But uh, we, we were a part of that and uh, came in on that wave. And uh, our church literally went from a live meeting in a living room with a handful of people, literally a handful of people, uh, to a three-car garage. And then after we converted that over into a church building, and then we went to a sheep barn, and we converted that over into a church building, and then we ended up building a building, and we just could see in about a span of about five to seven years, we went from about 12 people to over 2,000. And they came from all over the world. And even in that building that held a couple of thousand people, we'd have them standing against the walls back there. There was such a hunger, such an outpouring of the Spirit, the revival, the move of God coming upon the earth. It's coming again. It's coming again. Our Lord isn't done with the earth. He's not done with America. And so God was working powerfully in my life and in Cindy's life. And and during that time, I I actually received, I asked the Lord Jesus for, for the infilling of the Spirit and got filled with the Holy Spirit. There's a little chapel at IU called the Beck Chapel. And the Beck Chapel is an all faith chapel. And I remember going and sitting in there and there's little statues of Buddha and this and that. You know, I just totally ignored them. I said, Lord God, I said, if this is real, fill me with your spirit. And I mean, the Lord just gently dropped on me and I began to I just began to speak in new tongues, new language, supernatural. The Holy Spirit gives it to you. It's called glossalia. They're real languages, either of angels or of men. But the beautiful thing is it's supernatural, and the Holy Spirit gives it to you so that you can pray your way through the day and don't even have to think about it. Isaiah said, this is the rest wherewith the weary may rest, and this is the refreshing. And uh, I remember going back up to uh, 
after leaving the Beck Chapel, receiving the Holy Spirit, I'm walking back up the hill to McNutt, and, and I'm just praying in tongues all the way. And I'm thinking, hey, I don't have anything to lose. People just think I'm from, you know, from a foreign land anyway. They'll think I'm a foreign student. So I'm just letting her rip as I walk up the sidewalk, back up the, to, uh, to McNutt there. And, and, and so, you know, another week or two goes by, and I'm sitting at that same desk, and my door is open, and... and <clears throat> I just felt this presence enter the room. I just felt, and the Lord spoke to me. I, I, I wasn't sure it was the Lord. You have to remember, I'm just brand new at all this. But, but, but I just heard him say, I've called you to the ministry. It was just as gentle and as quiet as that. I've called you to the ministry. Now, you have to understand, this is not in my plans. This is not a part of my story. No. No, no, I'm... I'm I'm, I'm going to the NFL. I, I'm, I'm going to be a professional athlete. I'm, you know, I'm going to make millions. You know, that, you know that, that's what you know, mom and dad, dad wanted, you know. <clears throat> but <clears throat> that thought wouldn't, wouldn't quit. And that thought moved here. And I began to look at things different. And then I, I went back to that little house church back in the beginning. And the, the pastor prophet was there, apostle prophets, evangelist first prophets. And I remember, I'm so green and so new, I don't know what's going on. And I remember we got there late, and the house that we were meeting in was packed out. I mean, they were sitting, you know, in the stairway and in the bathroom and everywhere, you know, it was packed out. And his wife, sweet June, she met us at the door, and she said, she said now there, she was a southern gal. Now, it's part of my southern accent here. She said, now there's just two seats, and they're right up front in front of the pulpit. And literally, they were like right there. (laughs) You know, imagine a house, your living room, wall-to-wall chairs, and there's just two. And I remember Cindy and I walk up and we were thinking, you know, I'm feeling pretty good about this, you know. Everybody else is sitting in the bathroom or in the bedroom, and and we're just right up front. And, And first meeting. And I remember he, he preached, and there was such an anointing on him, and, and he brought such a word, and it's so encouraging. And, and I remember he looked down at me, and I'm looking up at him. He looked down at me, and I look, and he just said, he said, the Lord has a word for you. And, and he began to stretch out a hand like that, and I, I, I don't know what he's doing. But I think he's going to shake my hand. I, don't, I didn't know he was going to try to put it on my head, you know, and pray for me. And I, I'm trying to, you know, I'm, I'm trying to catch his hand and he just kind of whoop and put and he got it up there and so and then a prophetic word came and and uh, it and th- this was just a couple of weeks after the Lord had spoke to me in that dorm room about call to the ministry you know what the Lord did supernaturally confirmed my call to the ministry so that changed things then I really realized all right Lord this is you and I began to move toward it and you have to understand, uh, in the back of my mind is this thought about, about my pop because I, I'm thinking about him and, and I, I don't want to disappoint him. I love my dad and my mom and they were so proud of me, you know, making it big time, you know, and all that. And, and uh, I, I didn't want to disappoint him, you know, if I wouldn't end up in the NFL. Well, I played well enough at IU that uh, going into my senior year, I'd received a a letter from the Dallas Cowboys. This was back when the Dallas Cowboys were America's team, and uh, they were good. And so, uh, and so I'd, I'd gotten this letter, you know, and, and uh, 
I was scheduled going in to, to, uh, to, to move ahead with my dream and my dad's dream. And I remember in, in, the, in the spring of, of 1973, I'm praying. Cindy and I had gotten married the year before, and uh, we were living in these little blue-green trailers that were there back in the day. They were, they were ice cold like a freezer in the winter, and you sweltered in the summer. But, you know, we were in love, so, you know, it didn't matter. You know, love covers all. Somebody said that. And we were so in love, so we, we were there. But I remember I was kneeling down. We were just getting ready to start our spring, spring practices there at IU. And uh, I was geared up. Of course, I was going to be a starter and da-da-da-da-da. And I was looking forward to it going into my senior year. Uh, I only needed a, it was the last year, but I only needed a half a semester to graduate with my degree. And so I was all set to go and rock and roll. And, and I remember I was kneeling there, and, and over that two years since I'd been saved, the Lord had been dealing with me, and I had been growing spiritually, and, and we had been going to meetings, Cindy and I, when we could, and, and we, we so loved the Lord Jesus. And, and it was such a beautiful thing. We started our journey in marriage together. It was such a wonderful thing. We were on the same page, headed the same way, had the same beliefs about things, and we were moving in the right direction. And, and I remember I was kneeling there. As I'm kneeling there, the Lord spoke to me, and I recognized his voice. You know, you get to know his voice after a while. And he said, come out now or forget the end time move of God. I said, what? Yeah, I actually kind of kind of stunned me and he said it you know he's saying it once is enough he said it again come out now or forget the end time move of God now he had to talk to me like that he doesn't have to talk to you like that he had to talk to me like that because you have to understand athletics football any kind of sport was a god to me it was a god to my father my dad and it was a god to me it was a god to my brother so God had to talk to us, to, to me, in such a way to really get my attention. He was serious about this call on my life and what he wanted me to do. And you have to understand that that's really, really important because as Pastor Rick was sharing this morning and Sherry from the Word, we have to make these choices of who we're going to follow. Are we going to take him Seriously. Do we really believe he means what he says? Will it really end up, you really end up being blessed? Here I am, a 22-year-old young man, just married, headed off to the dreams of my life, you know, I think. And the Lord says, walk away. Now, he doesn't say that to every athlete. See, that's why you can't put what I'm sharing with you in thinking that this is you. No, but there are spiritual principles and, and truths that we walk by. And one of them is, is this. Jesus said, said that if you love your father or mother more than me, you're not worthy of me. If you love a brother or sister more than me, you're not, or a wife or children more than me, you're not worthy of me. He said you have to hate them in comparison to your love for me. Not literally hate them, but you choose him. Well, I love my mom, I love my dad, and I didn't want to disappoint them. I didn't want to disappoint myself. 
because I had dreams, you know, I can be a Christian and, and then I can win thousands, you know, to Christ because I'm this big athlete. And God does use athletes. I'm thinking of, of uh, I have a, uh, um, well, Tim Tebow, whom I greatly love and, and respect and appreciate the things that he does in Christ. And he's been a great athlete. But that wasn't my journey. But my journey was this, and there's glory in the story. Hang with me. There's glory in the story. Because the last 50 years in Christ have been the most wonderful years that I can even tell you about. Cindy and I were talking about it driving up this morning, just how exceedingly blessed we have been. You have to understand, beloved, we couldn't have children. We didn't have any kids. Married for the first three years. I know, I know we, we always warn people about how many we have before we tell them. But, but you have to understand, we couldn't have children. Um, uh, there was something with Cindy that, was, that needed a real healing, and, and we knew all about it. And we just decided, Lord, we're going to take you seriously about this. We desire children. And we agreed together, and we prayed together. Uh, and the Lord gave us our first son, Andy. And so we began this journey, the Lord giving us children. And, and then we had Aaron, and then we had Joe, and Renee, and, and Victoria. And then Danny came along, and then Scotty, and Bryce, and then Rochelle, and Audrey. You know, every one of them. I mean, we had 10 children in 15 years. You say, don't you know what causes that? <laughs> yes! Well, you have to understand, at first we wanted a dozen. We thought, well, isn't that movie great, cheaper, by the dozen? And we thought, nah, yeah, no, no, not really. Okay, so, so we ended up with ten. So, so the Lord was, was putting our lives together. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 4 and in verse 9, there's this unique statement by the Apostle Paul about apostles. 1 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 9. He talks about, he says, For I think that God has displayed us, the apostles last, or as least, as men condemned to death, for we have been made a spectacle to the world, both to angels and to men. And, and I want you to focus on that word, Spectacle. It's, a, it's an interesting word in the Greek. It, it literally means uh, to be put on display. To literally means theater. Theater. That's where we get our word theater. And do you know that God saves you not so that you can just be hidden away and not touch anybody else's life, but He saves you to make you a spectacle. Not in a negative sense. Not in a contrary sense, but he calls you to be a a light in the world. Lights and salt, salty salt, light shining and burning. He doesn't want you hiding away your light, putting it under a bushel. He doesn't want you to lose the saltiness of your life that brings such seasoning to others. Because salt, it can be destructive used in the wrong way, but when it's used properly, it preserves and it seasons and it flavors. 
It gives life to foods that otherwise would be very bland. And God wants you to come into to areas where you live and work and play and, and where you have your families and your gatherings. And there you, you bring a seasoning, a flavor. It's the flavor of Christ. It is a seasoning and the fragrance of His life and beauty coming through you. And, and, and it's because you have your own story. He, he's working it out. In your life, your own story. So he's putting you on display. So what happened? Let me just share with you what happened. Is that morning, that morning, I went down to coach, my head coach. Back in those days, his name was Lee Corso. I don't know if you ever heard of Lee Corso. Lee Corso. I remember, coach, I need to talk to you. And he was in a hurry, man. He, he didn't want to really talk to me because he was getting ready to get on a plane. He was flying out. I say, he said, coach, give me five minutes. I went in, I sat across the desk from him, I said, Coach, said, I said, I'm a Christian, I, I am a, a lover of the Lord Jesus Christ, and the Lord has called me to ministry. I'm going to be stepping out of uh, the university, and I'm walking away, and I'm entering into ministry. Well, he was quiet like you are right now. Because, you know, I totally shocked him. Where's this coming from? Well, it's coming out of my heart. And so that day, I walked away. Finished the year, you know, had just a few weeks left in the year, but I walked away. Gave up the scholarship, gave up any ideas of going to the NFL. Turned all my heart to the Lord Jesus. You see, he said, come follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Remember I said that to my pop? Well, the next thing I had to do was go home and tell mom and dad, tell them what I had done. And I wasn't, I wasn't looking forward to it. I, I remember I... I, I literally spent a lot of the night on my knees praying. I went back to the home and, and that next day met with mom and dad and I think, how am I going to get into this? Because they're all excited. Oh, you're Jeff, you've come home and from school and you're so good. Da, 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 da. And, and uh, said, mom, dad, I have something to tell you. And I began to share with them, of course, about the Lord Jesus. You have to understand also that my mom and dad in that two to three, two and a half year time had, had received Christ, been filled with the Spirit. So, so their hearts had changed. And I said, mom, dad, the Lord has called me to ministry. And they said, oh, we know that. Matter of fact, look, when I was a junior in high school, we were coming home one night from a football practice. I turned to my mom. She was she had to take me. I said, Mom, I said, what do you think I'll be when I grow up? She looked right at me and said, you'll become a preacher. Now, that had to be God through her, folk. You talk about, because, beloved, we had no preachers in our house. We had no Bible. We had no prayer. Why would she say that to me? And so I'm standing in the living room, you know, years later, and I said, Mom, Dad, the Lord has called me to ministry, and I've dropped a scholarship. I've walked away from IU. I'm not going back. I'm going into ministry. And they just lit up with praise. No, actually, they began to cry. It was heartbreaking. And then my dad, of all people, said, 
he said, Jeff, said, you've done the right thing. The Lord bless you. And I started this journey. You know, I had the blessing of my mom and dad. I started this journey in ministry. And we began to, to live it out and to, to walk it out, Cindy and I, and to go places we had never been and to see people we had never seen. We began to, the Lord opened our eyes to see things we'd never seen before and hear things we'd never heard before and understand things we'd never understood before. And the, the Lord took this uh, Indiana farm boy and he began to send me all over the world. And uh, that's why uh, David and Amy, I appreciate them so much, you know, uh, uh, travelers to distant places to bring the gospel. And the Lord began to send me into Europe. And I went to Russia and Ukraine and planted churches and then ended up uh, going to Australia and Israel and uh, Hungary and, and just all of these different nations, you know, and, and ministering. And just recently, uh, been going into Africa. And, and many, many years ago, I had had a dream where I was preaching and it was this huge crowd and they were all black faces and I knew it wasn't in America but guess what and going to the Africa there I've seen it there it is you know the Lord fulfills his word the Lord fulfills his word he'll give you directions he doesn't want you languishing he wants you to be able to move ahead in the plan and purpose but you have to make a choice Jesus said come follow me take up your cross and follow me. That was a real cross to me, folks. I, I, I'm not wanting to minimize that to you at all. That was a real cross to me to die to myself and instead of choosing my way, my will, and what my father's dad, I chose my great father, my divine father's will instead. And so God wants us to be able to embrace this and know that this is for you and me. So what has happened in the last 50 years? Like I said, the Lord has sent me and Cindy all over the world. We've been had the privilege of planting churches and raising up congregations. And, and we've had the, uh, the glory of the Lord giving us 10 children. And, and you see, and, and these 10 children, some of them are, are in churches and they're worship leaders and they're on worship teams. And others, they don't even darken the, the door of a church. They don't even go to church. They're not anti-God. They just, they just saw their mom and dad go through some things and it kind of burned them, rubbed them the wrong way. You know how pastors sometimes go through things. Any minister does. And so we have prodigals. And the Lord has had to teach Cindy and I about prodigals. More me because she, very tender heart, the way the Lord uses her and her affection toward the kids and her prayers toward them. For me, I became so angry. Why are my kids doing this? Why are they going there? Why are they saying that? You know, and I became so angry. One daughter I didn't talk to for three years. In that three-year time, she was ahead of her class at DePaul University in physics. She was the, the president of her sorority. She was invited to go places and do things, and, and uh, I wouldn't even talk to her because of the lifestyle she was living. And I'm praying for her one day, and I'm saying, Lord, says, Lord, change her. What's wrong here? And the Lord said, you are. Uh, let's rewind that. <laughs> Lord, what's, 
What's wrong with her? You are. And I, and I, I stopped. I mean, I, I know his voice. And I really had to think about that. Wait. He said, didn't I, didn't I call you to love them unconditionally? And we, we like that thought because that's what agape is, loving unconditionally. And it's one thing if it's Brother Schmo that lives down, you know, uh, down the road. It's another thing when it's somebody in your own house that you gave life to. But, but we had to learn, and I, I really had to learn. And, and I humbled myself. I repented. I called my daughter I called my daughter, who I hadn't talked to in three or four years, to say, pastors go through that? Pastors are ugly and mean like that? Well, we kind of get hurt sometimes. And we go through stuff. And we have the victory, because Christ is our victory. And we're always up here smiling. I love that word this morning from Pastor Rick about making a choice to rejoice. <laughs> oh, that rhymed, praise the Lord. Making a choice to rejoice, and there's glory in the story. Because there really is glory in the story because God is working all things together for your good and your glory according to His will. And in the moment, it's hard to see. So I remember I called her and I said, I called her by name and I said, sweetheart, I said, forgive me. Because my daughter during that time, I mean, she was not walking anywhere close to God. She even had thoughts, mm, I don't know if there is one. This is the same daughter we raised in the faith. Same daughter we treated all the other nine. Same daughter that we took to Israel with us. Same daughter. And when I said that, I said, sweetheart, forgive me. I'm sorry. Right away, her heart just went, <laughs> just opened right up. Now, is she walking with the Lord right now? No. No, but I'll tell you what she does do. She loves her dad. She has a relationship with her dad. She loves her mama. She has a relationship with her mama. And you see, she's not the only prodigal. We have sons like this too because they just they got burned. When they saw mom and dad get burned, they got burned, and they became irritated. By the way, this is a word for somebody. Uh, you got to quit this. You can't become irritated every time... Um, something rubs against you that God is sending your way that's rubbing you wrong. It's actually rubbing you right, but you've got to respond to it, make the choice to rejoice, respond to it in the right way. And then the Lord will be able to open the doors and work this out for your good. So I repented to her, and the Lord restored our relationship. She deeply loves me. We communicate all the time. And uh, this is the way with some of our sons as well. Uh, one thing about us, um, all our kids, even though some of them aren't walking with the Lord, they all love their mom and dad. They'll give us hugs. And I got, I got big old boys, you know. All our kids, we're empty nesters. They got their own families. They're married, you know, we're living different places. And they'll look me right in the eye and say, Dad, love you. And they give me big hugs. And, oh, does it get any better than that? And so the prodigals are coming home, and so here is the word of the Lord for you this morning. I, I felt this, is that, listen, because you have been willing to walk with Jesus in his trials, 
Jesus has been walking with you in yours. Luke 22, Pastor Sherry shared it. Luke 22, verse 28. Jesus looked at those 12 men, of course, excluding Judas, but he said, you are those who have continued with me in my trials. Therefore, one day you will sit upon thrones judging the 12 tribes of Israel. Now the beautiful thing about this is that the Lord is with you in your trials. And he really wants to show up for you because you've been willing to walk with him in his. You say, oh, he's not here. No, no, no. No, when you've stood up for the word, when, when you've shared your witness with your family. I remember, I remember the first time I witnessed to my dad. He told me to shut up. Did I quit? No. I just got real quiet. Just humbled myself and got real quiet. Because then, about two years later, he's given his heart to the Lord Jesus. He gets filled with the Holy Ghost. He begins the hand, I, back in those days we had cassette tapes. He'd hand my cassette tapes out to people say, Here, listen to these. These are my son. I say, Dad, that isn't quite the way you... Uh, he had a heart condition. He was put on nitro pills. He was coming home. He said, Lord Jesus, Jeff said, Jeff said, if I would trust you, you would heal my heart. He took his nitro pills. He threw them out the window of his truck. From that day forward, never another episode. And he lived into his 80s. So here's what I want to tell you, beloved. I want to close with this. Prepare your hearts to receive your prodigals. Just don't pray they come back to the Lord. Pray they come back to you. Prepare your own hearts to have them back. Remember the story of the prodigal and the father in Luke 15? The father sees the son coming a long way away. He takes off after him. He's running at him. That's, that's got to be you. Listen, they, they're going to start coming back, and instead of going, oh, wait, wait, you said this, and you did that, uh, you, you need to grovel a little bit. Get, get down here and grovel a little here before me. Think for I'm going to forgive you. Uh, you. You've been out there living like hell, and, and I've been wanting you to be in heaven. And No, uh, no, 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 no. No, no, you're going to need to pick up the phone maybe and say, son, daughter, forgive me, or mom, dad, forgive me, brother, sister, forgive me, aunt, uncle, forgive me, uh, friend, forgive me, and then to see the prodigal come home. There is a choice. You can do it your way or you can do it the Lord's way, and the Lord's way is always the low way to get to the high. Or you can stay up here. Yeah, get on down there and grovel a little bit, and then I'll see if I tell No, no, no. You're, you're going to have to be willing to humble yourself and just let them come back. Let them come back. Let them come back to you, Dad. Let them come back to you, Mom. Son, daughter, those parents, prodigals. Run, because the Lord has a way of working on their hearts to turn their hearts back to you and back to Himself. And so, what did the prodigal do? So here it is. Prepare your heart. Be ready to run. As soon as they make that little, least little, you know, least little turn, that quarter turn, go. 
And then remember how he had, he had the, the ring ready for his finger and he had the fatted calf all ready and he put the robe on him and the sandals. He had everything all set up for his son when he came home. And this is what you've got to do too. I want to I encourage you about these things because our God is faithful and true. And beloved, in 50 years of ministry, I have seen the prodigals come home. I have seen the reunions both on this earth and the joyous reunions that have happened in heaven because people were willing to be ready when the prodigal turned back home. There is glory in the story. And there is a choice you make to rejoice and to follow Christ. Would you pray with me? My Father in heaven, we want to thank you for your great faithfulness, for you have no equal. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort. My Father, we're asking for your tender mercies not only upon us this morning, but upon all the prodigals, upon the way that we take, upon the dreams and the visions and the hopes and the aspirations we hold in our heart, Lord, that your mercies would cover them all and direct our steps. Father, I pray for each of my friends here this morning, every brother and every sister, that they would see the validity of how that you have called them and how that their own story is full of your glory because of what you have already done for them and are planning to do for them. So bless them, Father. I ask with this word this morning, this this simple testimony of your great faithfulness, Father, all because of your beautiful Son, Jesus Christ. Bless it and seal it to their hearts and minds by the Spirit, I ask in Jesus' name. Amen, saints. Thanks for joining us for this message from Columbus First Assembly. If this message has blessed you in any way, would you share it on your social media feeds so that others can be blessed also? If you would like to join us for an in-person service and you're close to us, we are in Columbus, Indiana, then uh, our services start at 10 o'clock on Sunday mornings and our church is located on the corner of 10th and Iowa. Once again, thanks for joining us. Look forward to having you join us again soon.